Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Enduring Churches podcast. We're excited to get to visit with you today. Uh, we, we really thank you to t- that you've taken some time and that you listened to us. And I was visiting uh, Alan with one of our other listeners recently, and he was going back and he had just recently found us, but he was going back and listening to some of our previous podcasts and and really enjoying those. So uh, I want to suggest that to everyone, you know, just go back and check out some of the old stuff. And I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. The things we did back in the day. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah. guess there was a day. I mean, cause it's kind of like it's pre COVID world and post COVID world. Right. So I guess uh, right. our back in the day moment, but <laughs> you know, it is neat that we have over 200 episodes that you can go back and listen to. And we've certainly covered a lot of topics and some of them we've caught done in different ways. And so please, please go back and not only listen to those, but share those with others that you know as well. We go back and and change some of the ways we um, talk about some things based on uh, input that we get from some of our listeners. So we really want to encourage you to let us know what you think. And maybe you have a suggestion of a topic. Those are, those make it really great. But today we have a really good topic. I'm looking forward to this, Alan. Uh, Alan put this note together for us today. Uh, it's five ways to derail your ministry as soon as it starts. And so I think this is going to be great, Alan, because, man, I'm, I'm so lucky and blessed that, you know, somebody didn't shoot me in my first ministry. You know, so I did some stupid stuff we, and we don't want you to have to do that. We certainly make some mistakes and we may be guilty to these to some degree. But one of my concerns, too, is I see so many pastors who within a year or two are regretting what they've done, regretting being in their church. Or I've had church leaders sitting down talking to me. We made a huge mistake. We thought we were doing thing, and we made a mistake. And here's why. And so it is certainly possible for us to go in and, and kind of derail our ministry. Now, we, as we're talking through these things, these are kind of the things that we do that are bad. So think about the counter to them. Um, we're yeah. talking to them. But I think it's important to hit them from this perspective, because this is what's going to cause your ministry um, really to start failing before before it ever really has a chance to to rise and shine. So. So let's look at this list together uh, today, Trent, because we, you and I talked about how we've done some of these um, in our ministries as well. But the first thing is, is that when you take, take a role in ministry that you stop learning. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, Alan, you know, he's gotten his doctorate and he's, he's learned a lot. He's, he's read a bunch and continues to learn and all that. I think that's a great example because we were talking before we started recording this, that when we got out of seminary, man, you put a book in front of us and we're like, ah, gag me with a spoon, man. I don't <laughs> want to do that. I donh not want to study nothing. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's important that you do continue to learn. Even if you didn't go to seminary, you can still keep learning. Yeah, and we graduated seminary about the time we were saying gag me with a spoon. So anyway, yeah. just... But but yeah, you know, I think there's this tendency where where we feel like, okay, I've learned what I need to know. Now I'm just applying everything and I don't need to go back or or you know, when you're when you're looking to move into a ministry role, you you have this hunger, you have this desire to know and you want to know 
what you can do, or you observe someone, well, this is how I would have done it or things like that. Then you get to that role and you're not looking to do that anymore. And I think there's a real danger and you're going to, you're really going to hurt your ministry if you get to that point where you're not eager to learn. And, and to, part of learning is also recognizing that I need to evaluate. Right. Well, and, and I was just thinking too, Alan, you know, we have a lot of folks that we know that are bivocational, co-vocational. Uh, maybe they didn't go and get formal education uh, before starting their ministry. Um, but our culture is changing so fast that this is an area that you really do need to continue to learn and study so that you can be able to reach. It's not changing the message, but it is changing maybe the format of how you reach out to some of the people, especially younger people in our culture. Yeah, and we've talked about all the ways you can learn books, conferences, relationships with other pastors, um, a combination of all of them. You, you need to be a continual learner. And so you're going to derail your ministry if you stop learning. And so that I think that's really where a lot of problems begin for a lot of pastors. But there's a second one that's probably equally as challenging, and that's uh, when we tend to inflate our egos. Now, that would never happen to someone like us, would it? No, heavens no. We're very humble. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. But <laughs> it's a good thought, though, Alan. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so when we think about our egos, there's this, there can be this point in ministry where, well, I'm the pastor, and so it has to go my way, and everything's about what I want, and every decision I make has to come to fruition, and it's always about us. And we can take our role sometimes and take ourselves a little too seriously, and that can cause a lot of problems. Yeah, and I can just see this both sides, you know, a younger pastor or an older pastor, how this could be a real challenge because, you know, as a younger pastor, you're getting into this role to begin with and, and people are starting to look at you as a leader and it's awful tempting to to say, yes, I'm the guy, you know. Um, and then maybe a guy who's been in ministry for a long time is like, yeah, I know everything and and I'm well-respected in the community. Uh, and so our egos can keep us from being the humble person, humble servant that we need to be to learn from the Lord and have him guide us and lead us. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll kind of explain how it happened in my life, too, is there was a point in time where I thought, man, I can, I can probably push anything I need to through the church. If I really need to do I can probably make that happen. And then... I, I felt a little pride about that. And then later I realized that's problematic if I feel like mm -hmm. I can get my way. And I, that's when I had to begin to rethink who I was as a leader and recognize that maybe part of the problem that I was facing in ministry and the challenges I was facing in ministry was me and maybe a need to back off my ego and to approach ministry more with more humility. So I think this is something that we can all um, take note of. But if you go in and you puff your ego up early on, you are going to create problems for yourself because you're also going to create distance uh, between you and people. Uh, egos, is, uh, ego, ego is like a giant force field. It doesn't let people in and around you, and it doesn't allow you um, to get close to people. 
Yeah, it does push people away. I've seen that for sure, Alan. I agree. And so we talked about stopping learning. That can cause you to have all kinds of problems. It, having an ego that gets in your way is a huge problem. And then thirdly, um, sometimes we lose our sense of timing, right? And, and there's a lot of ministry that it really is focused on timing. It can happen or it cannot happen based on timing. And so, Alan, tell me what you're thinking in this topic. Well, let's let's look at it from two things. Let's let's look at the idea of change because that's probably one of the biggest things we do in ministry. When you're in a new leadership role, you're going in and you recognize there are things that need to go in a different direction. Maybe that's because of who you are. Maybe that's because those things weren't being done. Um, maybe they they there's just a season of change for whatever reason. You need to change. And so sometimes we want to go in and we change things really fast. And we've talked about change, and but we can delve into that a little bit today. Sometimes you do that way too fast. That's probably the most common error is changing right. fast. The other side of that, though, is just falling into the habit of, well, we'll change this someday and not thinking about the change. And all of a sudden you're on the same train that someone else was on and you're, you're going nowhere. And so the timing is understanding that change has to take place, but how and when. Timing is a huge issue. I know John Maxwell in uh, his 21 uh, Laws of Leadership book has a law of timing as one of the laws that describes leadership. And so timing is important. It is. And, you know, um, you mentioned someone coming in and changing things too fast. And we've seen that again and again. You know, a young guy comes into a church for the very first time and he sees all these things that really would be good to change but he doesn't give their give time to be able to gather people and explain and, and because you know it can be an issue but there are also times in those situations where a church has called a pastor and has said to him hey these are things that need to change and so that in that case it may be hey let's go fast uh, but you just kind of need to fill, feel out the situation. And the, the other, the slow change part, Alan, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of that has to do with comfort. You know, it's easy to get comfortable and and we need to like, hey, we got to move forward, keep going, kind of like keep learning. Yeah, I think a lot of that, too, is like um, think about a church that's in a maybe a transitional community where the the demographics have shifted in the community a lot of times churches won't ever deal with that change. They're too slow to react to it. And that's an area where you actually need to react quickly or you're gonna find yourself into the, in, in this really bad death spiral. And so mm -hmm. recognizing that that is, a, that is a change that you've got to be quick to address is really important. So you have to kind of get this. And I, I'd love to tell you as a young leader or as a young pastor, that this one is easy. This is probably the hardest one to master. But if you really blow things up on the on the front side of things, especially by changing things too fast, you can lose people so quickly that they're never, ever going to follow you. And that can be really frustrating for pastors. And so, you know, I always encourage you, if you're going to err, err on the side of slow, um, but don't let slow dictate how you operate. You know, and I, when you're saying that, I'm picturing, and we see this happen all the time with music. You know, a pastor comes in or a new music minister comes in, 
and they want to change the style and uh, the worship service. And it really hits the older people hard because that's they're losing their identity. But I will tell you, if you will take some time and listen to their stories before you do this and find out, hey, what is it that you really want for our church? They will share with you some of their history and the things, and they'll share with you that they are passionate about reaching out with people. And then you can get them on your side to change the things that you want to see changed. But you just got to take a little bit of time. You got to do some listening and let them tell their story. And then things will begin to happen. Yeah, communication is everything. You know, timing, timing is oftentimes about saying the right thing in the right moment. And I've certainly failed in that. I think we we all we all will. This we're never going to be perfect in this area. Uh, but the idea too that well, again, if I'm not learning and I've inflated my ego, and then I don't have a good sense of timing. And I've seen got pastors with all three of these issues early on in ministry. I mean, you're done. I mean, you've already you've already started putting your resume out six months into this thing, and that's mm-hmm. a reality, but I've seen that. And oftentimes, you know, again, these things kind of get muddled together. Um, but timing allows us to have those communicate, those times of communication with people who can help us understand what we're not seeing. And so timing is about communication. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. And so we've talked about not learning, having an ego that gets in our way and timing being a real issue. And then sometimes, Alan, pastors gather around themselves, yes, people, right? And and they create what you call an echo chamber. And so kind of explain a little bit about that, what you're thinking. Yeah. You know, so when you have a direction you want to go, you know, if, you know, if I said we want to go to Dallas, I know which direction Dallas is from me. And so we're going to go that way. And I want people, everyone to, well, we're going to Dallas. But if I started from Jacksonville and said, well, I want to go to Dallas, there, there are four or five different ways to get there. Always the best way. Is it the best way? And someone else may have a way that's better for them because maybe they like to stop at Bucky and it may take, a, Amen. <laughs> it may take an extra 20 minutes, but they want to go to Bucky's and, you know, someone else may want to go pick up a friend on the way. And so they're, they're going to go a different direction and, and go. So I think what, what we have to be careful to remember is, is that just because I see a direction and to me, it's clear, it may not always be clear to other people. And if I don't allow people to have a different idea about how we get somewhere um, around me, I'm going to have problems. And an echo chamber is, yeah, well, your way is the best way. We're, we'll always agree with you. And we are in a real dangerous day today where I feel there's many young pastors who feel like, well, my role demands that I always have the final say. Mm-hmm. And my direction is always the right direction. And that's a dangerous place. I agree. You know what? I've seen myself, in myself, I've done this, Alan, um, you know, in not just when I was a brand new pastor, but even in my um, second pastorate, uh, I got, you know, I get all hot and bothered because somebody was disagreeing with me. And so I'd want to just put those yes people around me. When I learned later on, and I've learned since then, that having some people who are thoughtful 
and maybe not early adopters that would ask those probing questions. It's not that they're disagreeing with me. They just want us to think through and get all the answers so that we can share the, the story with our church better. Uh, so I, I think that's a huge deal is, is that you get some people that will cause you to put on the brakes sometimes and think through so that you can communicate that better with your church. Well, you know, one of the other things that I remember hearing said, and I believe it was, it was uh, Dr. Maxwell, but he said something that your best idea is never the best idea. So if you don't get if you don't get other people around you who have a differing idea, you're never going to get to the best idea because the best idea is one that has gone through other people and been refined and changed and and made better. And so when we don't get to that place, um, we're missing out. And so it's important for us to have people who see things differently from us. It really is. It, and because we need that sense of perspective, that broader perspective to be able to um, capture the attention and the hearts of a broader section of our church. So I think that's really important. And so we don't want to create an echo chamber, as you call it, or a, gather yes people around us. Um, but sometimes a new pastor, I can picture this, Alan, comes into a church and he's full of ideas and he's learned all the latest and greatest stuff. And he's been to lots of conferences at mega churches. And then he comes into this church and he looks at the past, their history. He doesn't even want to learn about their past to begin with, but it's certainly he has an eye of contempt toward that. Uh, have you have you seen that, or is that what you're thinking about in this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the dangers, and one of the things that I think can be real dangerous for a a new ministry leader is to look at the past with contempt. And when we think about it, think about two two areas: think about the history of the church, but also think about the people of the church and those who have been in leadership roles. I've made this mistake more times than I, I care to admit. And fortunately, people were gracious with me um, in spite of that. I did have to go back and, and make some apologies later, which let's be honest, none of us like to have to do that. The history tells you an awful lot about a church, and it's important to delve into its history. Churches have some good history. Some churches have some really bad history. Um, but you need to look back and have your, a, a realistic understanding of their history. And if the history is a bad history, you don't treat it with contempt. You treat it as, well, this is what we've learned so far. And mm -hmm. you've got to do it from a, okay, but now what are we going to be going forward? If they have a great history, you need to celebrate it. You know, there, it's, there are some churches that have had some great days, and we don't do enough to celebrate that. Well, here's, here's a couple of tips and ways to do this so that you can – um, gain a pic better picture of the history and, and also gain those people on your side. Um, my wife has an amazing gift for hospitality. And so we have kind of gotten in a habit of inviting people to come over to our house and we'll have lunch or dinner together. And that is one of the best places to be able to sit down with someone and say, tell me your story or tell me the church's story. And that is such a disarming thing for people who are, are upset about something is just to sit down around the table and, and ask them, hey, will you tell me 
about your story? How did how did you become involved in this church, or what do you, you know, what are some of the things that this church has done or dealt with in the past? But I also will tell you that you need to gain that picture from more than one person because sometimes one person is negative, and you need to gain a picture from a positive person as well because it's easy to just hear one side of a story. So, but it gets those people to say, hey, this person cares enough that they're going to listen to me. And I've said it lots of times on our podcast, but um, most conflict goes away when someone feels like they've been hurt. And I think that's an important principle. Trent, as we're talking about this one, one of the things that I think is important too is how this ties into ego so much. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I got everything figured out and everyone who was before me, if they had done it right, they'd still be here. (laughs) Yeah. So I figured it something out that no one else has figured out. And now look at how good things are going to be. And maybe things are better, but maybe it's because someone laid the groundwork so you could be successful. This is a lesson, Alan. I have to admit that I learned the hard way Um, in the second church that I pastored. It was easy for me to um, make, try to make myself look better or feel better about myself by putting down the previous pastor and that was stupid. It was, and it was wrong because he had done a tremendous job. I mean, an absolutely tremendous job. And so I learned that lesson the hard way and I had some gracious people that kicked me in the hiney and said, no, listen, you know, uh, but then, so now as I moved into the current role that I'm in, I have, I've taken some time to look and see, and the gentleman who preceded me in this position he really did do an amazing job. And so it's been a great thing for me to be able to celebrate that every place that I go and tell people how much I appreciate, which I is so honest. I truly appreciate the guy that preceded me and all the work that he did. And so I think this is an important thing for, you know, to, to not put down the previous ministers. I, right. We cannot afford to do that. And I'm, I'm like you, I've followed, I've followed great people here. I have a relationship with uh, the last two people in this role, plus the um, interim that was in between them. And I'm so grateful for them and, and all they've done. And they too recognize that, boy, Alan, you're in a day of transition. And they say to me, I'm glad I'm not in that role now, <laughs> having to deal with the things that I'm having to deal with. Um, as we move forward. But the only way I'm able to move forward is because I followed such great people. I'm grateful for them. They were wonderful in what they did and had such a huge heart um, for the churches in our association. Celebrate your past every time you can. I think those things are important. Love your people. Love their history when it comes to worship wars, things like that. Get to know the story. Why do those songs mean so much to people? Because it reminds mm-hmm. when they committed their life to Christ. Almost everyone identifies worship to their time of salvation. You're right. That's a good word, Alan. And so today we've been talking about five ways that that happens. And we've seen this, Alan, and I've seen this, um, and maybe you have too, but five ways that people derail their ministry as soon as it starts. And so we've talked about not learning or stopping learning, um, inflating our own egos, and that really gets in the way losing our sense of timing. Um, Sometimes we create an echo chamber around us, and then sometimes we look at the past with contempt. So I hope that you've gained something, and maybe this has triggered a thought of, hey, have I done this? Or maybe I need to change something that I'm doing. 
But that's why we do these podcasts, because um, <laughs> hopefully you learn from our mistakes, uh, things we've messed up on. But we really enjoy getting to have this conversation and hopefully it's a blessing to you. And, and we do hope that you share this with someone. And so so thank you for tuning in today. And we really hope that we'll get to hear you hear from you in weeks to come. Bye.